0: Welcome everyone to Not So Common with Pat Contry. I hope you're doing well out there. My guest today on the podcast will be Norm Caruso, a retro gaming YouTuber and video game historian. It's going to be a great show. We'll be discussing him hitting 1 million YouTube subscribers and its significance, the Tetris movie, and lots more. But first, let me tell you all about our sponsor today that also helps us relive gaming's past, RetroBit. Retrobit's mission for years has been to help us play the classics the way they were meant to be played, with high quality accessories and official re-releases of rare and hard to find games, and even games that were never released in certain regions. It's a great way to try and breathe new life back into games that may otherwise be forgotten or overlooked by us gamers. Retrobit even adds content back into games, does translations, and more. And now they're back with another high quality set of licensed retro game re-releases. This time, it's Hammer and Harry, our heroic carpenter stars in Hammer and Harry, featuring the NES port of the original 1990 arcade game released in North America in a cartridge for the first time, and Hammer and Harry 2, Dan the Red Strikes Back, translated and officially released outside of Japan for the first time. Each one is full of platforming action, where you'll take on the Rusty Nailers, Dr. Parallel, and the Giant Phantom, all here to ruin Harry's time with his girlfriend. So grab your trusty hammer and headband, and let's get hammering! Each individual game comes with a specially colored cartridge, adorable deluxe hardcover cartridge box, a full-colored instruction manual, and an exclusive acrylic cartridge display stand for each title. The two NES games will be getting the excellent Retro-Bit treatment. You can also get the Hammer and Harry Concrete collection, which includes both games and a special edition slipcase for collectors editions. If you're in North America, you can pre-order Hammer and Harry until May 21st at CastleMania Games or Limited Run Games. In Europe, you can pre-order at Strictly Limited Games, Dragon Box Shop, Spelosaunts, and more. Head to retro-bit.com for more information. And now it's time to speak with our special guest on this Not So Common podcast. He's a long-time video game retro gaming YouTuber focusing on the history of our great entertainment pastime. He's also been a friend for a long time. Please welcome Norm Caruso, the gaming historian. Norm, it's certainly been a while since we've had our last recorded conversation like this. How you doing? Hello, Pat. I am doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, but you are doing better than me. I should have put this in the intro if I was a good podcaster. I would have. You have recently reached 1 million subscribers on YouTube. It's true. I it know, happened, yeah. I know it was something you were conscious of. I know it's it was a, a minor goal
1: of yours. Uh, You know, it... It should have been a minor goal, but it turned into almost an obsession. <laughs> really? Kind of. Yeah, it was a little unhealthy. I think like two and a half years ago, I looked at my sub count and I was like, oh, I, I could probably hit a million subs if I like in the next few years. And then I don't know what, but I just like kept thinking about it and it was not healthy. And uh, that's that's the lesson here is uh, don't don't obsess over numbers. It'll it'll happen naturally just let things happen, you know. Or it won't natu- happen <laughs> naturally. Is it, yeah, there... I mean, if, what, if the... you totally screw up, yeah, it
0: won't happen. Thanks, thanks Norm. Um, <laughs> have you have you have you had that sort of mindset when it comes to your producing your videos where it like an OCD almost sort of thing where is that what's driven you to be that meticulous and detail oriented? That same sort of like
1: semi obsession? You think it's related at all? Um, I think I have some perfectionism in me for sure. And so I think when I realized that I could like attain this goal of hitting a million subs, I was like, well, I I have to hit it because if I don't hit it, then I've I've failed and I'll like I'll have huge regrets over it if I don't hit it. So
0: you honestly internalize it to the fact where, well, this will mean something to me if I don't hit this goal. It will mean that on some level I've not achieved my objective. So you almost like gamified it to a way or is there something more behind that where you're just like, well... Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am if I don't have a million people well, subscribe to me
1: yeah i yeah I don't know um i I've never throughout my whole career on youtube I've never really thought about subscribers, but for some reason the the million number got to me, and I was like, <laughs> man, I have to hit this goal. <laughs> I was like, I have to hit a million subs because I remember i when I hit a hundred thousand. I was like, "Oh, sweet, I hit 100,000." And they sent me the little award and I did a little video and mm-hmm. um I just kept making videos, but I don't know like when I realized I could hit a million, it uh it it changed me, Pat. It changed <laughs> me. It, <laughs> it broke me inside for some <laughs> for some reason. You lost friends, family, shattered because That's of that. Right. Kristen left me. <laughs> uh oh, is this an no. Exclusive? Is this no, exclusive? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna go on Kingstar. I, I will say, like Kristen was really helpful um because she said she said, you know, it just keep doing your thing. It's gonna happen. Just keep making your videos. So she kept me she kept me grounded. Um and that's what I did. I just kept working on my videos and it did happen. It it happened uh March. Happened in March. I can't honestly when it happened, I didn't even know it happened. My mother in law texted me and said, "Congratulations!" <laughs> and I said, "For what?" And she said, "You hit a million subs on YouTube." And I said, "Oh!" And I like, I was happy that day.
0: And you're like, oh, is this a is, what is something else going on? Is in my personal life that my yeah. mother in law is telling me?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it could be anything. Uh, well, that's interesting. I don't remember when I hit a hundred thousand. Um, I don't even honestly know the time frame. It it must have been 2014 or 15, something like that. I do remember I did like a video, tongue-in-cheek. I did a 2,600 subscriber video holding a 2,600 box. And then I did a 5,200 one holding the 5,200 box. But -hmm. back then, that was like, you know, whatever that was, 2010 or so, when like that had meanings, still having – a couple thousand subscribers, and now it's like, now having a couple thousand, it's like having 200, like the scales are so off. Yeah, it's way different. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't do a video for my 100,000th. Maybe I should have, but when I got it, I was just like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I was busy at the time, I don't know. But no, a a million is definitely a milestone. Uh, I know you were thinking about it. Um, So, is that what sort of got you jolted in order to put in more effort for your you know, the videos the past couple of years, because obviously your, your production, going back to the start, let's just say all our production has gone up in the past 15 <laughs> years, our, our production yeah. guys, and our writing, and our, you know, starting with, you know, non-HD cameras, and now we all have DSLRs or even smartphones that are more powerful
1: than the $2,000 cam core I started off with, you know? mm mm-hmm. So I it's it, it it wasn't a it wasn't a motivator to like up my production. I wasn't like, "Oh man, if I up my production, I'll get more subscribers." Like that's that's just I always try to improve every video. That's just me. Um but it is it it is uh it's funny seeing where you came from to where you are now for sure. I think I started with a it's like a Canon Canon Snapshot digital camera that Somehow could record video. Yes, and that's and that's what I did my videos on. Yeah, like like we all had our the first run
0: of digital cameras from like late nineties, two thousands, and then into the mid two thousands. The you know the video quality of those were actually still pretty decent versus better than a cell phone at the time for sure. And then you went into like the little uh, what was the little handheld digital ones that. That uh, I remember, Derek used to carry one. Yeah,
1: around. there, there was one. There was one. I remember there was one HD camera that it was called like the Flip. The I think it was called the Flip. It was like a it was a, like a budget HD camera, mm-hmm. and it was like a plug and play. I remember a lot of people got on that bandwagon, and then DSLRs. Sure. were like the quality was amazing, but you could only record for like fifteen minutes or something. It had like a, a time limit on it, and now they have mirrorless cameras. Uh, yeah, which don't have that limit, sure. or you know, you can get a, a high-end camcorder. You know, do people even do that? Lots of then, options now. Now it's like, hey, if you got an iPhone that'll shoot great video. Oh. for the most part. Oh man, so <laughs> some of the things I I see film on an iPhone or or any of those high-end cell phones, it's incredible. It's like, man, imagine if we had this. Back <laughs> and you just pull out your phone and and film a video. I the first
0: camera I used was one I literally bought for my sister's wedding to record the wedding. Because uh, we couldn't afford, you know, like you know, those videographers. I just set it up. I went up. You know how in a lot of churches they have the upper, the upper deck in, in, in the back. Yeah, yeah. I went on there, set up the camera, hit record. So I bought it. I think it was, um, I think it was a, it was a Sony, probably like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars at the time. That was so I used that for until I went to HD a couple years later, and that was like two thousand that was like two thousand dollars the HD camera. So I went from like a seven hundred dollar camera, which yeah. is now. Like, my cell phone is, like, 2,000 times more powerful than that to a $2,000 camcorder. That was a, an upgrade, but looking at it, it's, like, on the floor somewhere. I'm not sure I could sell that camcorder. It's one of those bigger ones. You know, like, the ones that are as big as, like, uh, they're, like, a 18 inches long sort of ones. Yeah, you know what I mean? With, yeah. with a handle on top. No one even yep. uses those anymore. Those were, like, in vogue, like, 15 years ago.
1: Uh, t- even I'll, 10 I'll years ago. I'll give you 20 bucks for it. Okay. Yeah, I can sign it. You can put it on. Yeah. I, have even... you ever seen um? You ever seen that YouTube channel Weird Paul? Yes, he actually has a copy of my book. He, I think he did. Yeah. A, a so short little so, video so short he of... does his videos on like old VCR recorders, like VCR camcorders, and it's it's great. And that's just the quality. And it's, it's part of the prestige. Part <laughs> part of the charm. Yeah, he like lives lives in the past. You know. Don't we all though? Uh, I guess guess we do. I mean, that's obviously a a
0: part of our motivations for doing these sort of videos in our work, right? I mean, we we are wanting to sort of at least in some specious way uh, connect with the past, whether, whether it was because we grew up then and we liked being a part of that time and place versus now, or it just interests us so much that we want to revisit it. I'm not saying that's why how you got started or why you did but being a historian there's something to be said for yeah it, it it's it's quirky being a human being that there are different time periods where things were radically different than what they are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I I don't know if I started my videos purely for like nostalgia's sake. I think I just had an interest in like learning more about where this stuff came from and how it got here. And that's kind of the path I took. But I do like, like some of the topics I, I choose to cover is, is, is based on like what I grew up with. Sure.
0: And it's interesting because, you know, you were, I guess the OG YouTube gaming historian. I'm sure there's been some that have tried to claim that crown (laughs) here and there.
1: No, I mean, there are people doing it before me even. Oh, oh there i can't remember there was one all your all your history are belong to us I think it was called that there there were some bigger video game sites i think i g n did a history series game trailers was doing history videos um they weren't they weren't like deep dive like documentary style they're more like retrospectives but it was there was stuff out there, sure, but they weren't like individual YouTubers. There wasn't like there wasn't like the
0: the the gamer gamer Back to the Future do twenty seven that was
1: <laughs> on YouTube in two thousand seven. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't recall anyone else doing like what I was doing. I guess. So it's gonna... funny. It's it's funny when I first started the show. I I was like, well, I'll call it the gaming historian because I'm, I'm 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 a historian and I'm playing video games. I'm the gaming historian, and uh, it's funny. Like, sometimes I'll get comments from, like, they're, like, upset that the word the is in there because Uh, it's, like, I'm implying I'm the only one. And it's, like, that wasn't my intent. I was just, like, that's just the the name I thought would be best, you know?
0: I honestly thought before I knew you, and I met you now, like, what, about 11 years ago at this point? Maybe a little before Mm -hmm. that. I honestly thought when I first heard I thought I said to myself, the balls on this random person to proclaim themselves as, like, I am the guy that could go See? back in time with history. There you go. <laughs> I honestly, I'm like, that's was kind of bold of someone to say that, you know? It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, cool. what? Should I have just
1: called it a gaming historian? <laughs> I'm
0: not sure, but it was just interesting because I said, I said, what is this person's qualification? Remember, this is, like, 2010, Pat. What is this person's qualifications to call themselves? But that back then, it was, like, the Wild West of, you know, sort of not just uh, trying to track game history, uh, but also preservation and everything else. There wasn't a lot of us like doing it in sort of a way that people knew about it.
1: Well, and I should note that I I take your feedback seriously, <laughs> and that if you look on YouTube, the name of the channel is is just Gaming Historian. Okay. <laughs> the word "the" is still in the logo. Okay. But if you notice the channel name, it is just Gaming Historian. You're one of and many. That is why you're,
0: you're one of many.
1: Yeah, you, I, have it, never, I have never claimed to be the king of video game historians. If you, if you get knocked knocked off, there's a there's a line of succession. Someone else
0: takes over, and they, and they become the gaming. Yeah. historian. yeah. If I'm
1: assassinated, uh, some <laughs> a, a new historian pops up. That's just how it works. It's like a Doctor Who. <laughs> so yeah, someone, yeah material-
0: someone materializes in Norm's body mm-hmm. <laughs> and starts doing I don't know a retrospective on the Super Game Boy. Did you do one on the Super Game Boy? You probably did. I did. Yeah. yeah yes. I, I mean, looking at your past uh, library, obviously you have the controversial Top Loader on which we used to argue about. Uh, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I I I think about that argument every now and then. <laughs> do You
0: and really? Like, and I, let let I people do. know. Can, can you can I you do. Can, can you roll back and the I, curtain and let people know what that argument
1: was? Sure. So I my first video was on the NES top loader and uh I talked about how great it is because it you you plug in the cart and it plays it plays every time unlike the the toaster version and uh I was like it's the best version of the NES. And Pat had a problem with that cuz he said the video quality sucked. It was horrible. It had those weird scan lines vertically. It was like RF only you, mm-hmm. uh, unless you like sent it into Nintendo and complained. And uh, I remember being like, oh, how can Pat feel like, how can Pat believe this, that that's not the superior I, version? But I, I've thought back to that argument, and I, I actually agree with you now. Wow. And this was, was this an argument on, like, RetroWareTV.com comments? Was It was an argument in my head with you. <laughs>
0: wait, wait a minute. No, because I remember posting, like, a reply, just pointing that
1: out. That wasn't like going well, after. I mean, well, I I don't know if you ever commented, but you told me in person this many times, many times. Had, it you, came up. You, la- you laughed in my face about oh, what? how ridiculous it was. <laughs> I thought the top loader was the superior NES, and
0: that's why you're not the gaming historian. That's well,
1: why I changed the name. Yeah.
0: Well, the one thing that's weird about it that a lot of people, unless you're unless you're a weirdo completionist like me. It doesn't play many of the unlicensed games because since it doesn't have a lockout chip, uh, a lot of the the cartridges that were like the AVE games, uh, mm. video game uh, American Video Game Cartridges Inc. It looked for the lockout chip in order to bypass it. So right. on a top loader, it will never boot up because there's nothing. Th- it doesn't look for the chip to bypass it. If that makes sense. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, the
1: and, and there's weird stuff like like the game genie like doesn't fit in it you have to get like an adapter you get the adapter
0: that's hard to find
1: sure yep and but i the biggest thing which which i agree with you is the video quality is not as good it's terrible yeah uh it's terrible And, and supposedly there there was like
0: maybe some people got it where the jail bars aren't as much but when you look at it it's almost like they're etched they're etched with a laser into the screen it's so it's so weird Whatever it was yeah, your and, cheap, and and to version. be
1: fair, like w- when it came out in like '93 or whatever, it was it was fifty bucks. It sure. was like the the cons the the budget, the budget I, NES. I think just
0: the weird thing is not doing not having regular, uh, composite cables because the Japanese version did. So like,
1: how much would that, have it cost? That is bizarre. That is but, bizarre.
0: So honestly, the, honestly, the best version, at least for playing the first party stuff, would be getting the Japanese version, of which it I do and have an, a, an adapter. The AV Famicom, I do have that. I have it
1: somewhere. I never actually hooked it up, which is unfortunately well, the, a lot of the original Famicom didn't have uh, composite. So like the 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 top loader version, they, that's why they called it the AV Famicom.
0: Neither did the uh, Turbo Graphics, I believe, and that's why we didn't get it here. They didn't bother to. Change the design internally for the, for the uh, North American audience. Uh, they, they'd rather yeah. try to sell you the, the turbo booster for sixty bucks in order to get in order to get composite. Yeah. <laughs> los, oh yeah, los cojones of them. Um, <laughs> so we've obviously evolved a little bit in our fifteen or so years on YouTube. Um, is there okay. much evo- evolution left? You know, in term in terms of what you see that you're doing. You've, I mean, when you told me uh what was it three years ago that hey Pat I'm doing like a feature length Tetris documentary. Uh I was just like
1: what? <laughs> I was like feature length? Uh I, was like, uh, yeah, I, was, I remember I, s- I remember you were like you should just do an Indiegogo.
0: I did or, a, or do a Kickstarter and you know. because that's so much work and time and money because you're you know you you have artists, you have you know sometimes you've flown out to do research and interview people. So it's not just but back like fifteen years ago, oh, it's just a hobby. I'm doing this on the weekends. Like no this is work. This is work and effort and money that goes into this is entertainment and art that requires uh, investment. <laughs> so is there are we yeah. at the peak evolution in terms
1: of what you see yourself doing in terms of this? Oh, no, no. The videos could always be better. They could always be always be better. Every, every single video I make and I, I look back on, it, I'm like, eh, I would have I would have done this differently. Uh, I should have done this. I should have done this. Uh, and of course, it, like if you have a bigger budget, you can go. You can go fly out and talk to these people and get them on camera. And it, it, honestly, if if you had unlimited money, it would just be a never-ending video because you just never stop finding stuff, right? Are you asking for me to invest in your channel? So <laughs> I can buy it. Yeah, so i would like to talk to you about something. Today. <laughs> I've started. Uh, I've started an NFT. It's called. Uh. uh <laughs> GH coin, gaming historian <laughs> coin. Own a piece of my channel. You know, own a piece of gaming history. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely think, uh, there's definitely more to, more to do as far as like production value. But there's even like other mediums I'd love to explore. I would love to write a book someday. I think that would be really cool. There's so much more you can fit on paper than in video form. Sure. There and it really plus, is. Plus, it allows you to, go at your own pace.
0: Uh, when you write, um, you know I've only done, well, I've done these two books, so there'll be a third. It, it seems like the process is more, con- I don't want to say controlled, but being that it's it's drawn out longer, I think there's there's less of an expectation. People don't like, like for example, if you put out a gaming historian video and it came mm-hmm. out and it was like seven minutes long and you yeah. went back to your old camera, and, you know, you didn't have anyone doing voice. People would be like, what, what just happened? Even mm-hmm. though that could have been the quality maybe 15 years ago. There's yeah. no expectation for you, like, what your book would be like if you did a book. You know what I mean? It would be like, obviously yeah, people would have to like it. Yeah, clean but slate. It, yeah, exactly. So in people's minds, it would be like, well, this will be interesting. They, they mm-hmm. don't have it built up. A YouTube audience is different than, like, you know, a, a literary book audience. And there's going to be crossover, obviously, and people don't know one or the other but maybe that's something that's could be fascinating where it's a totally different
1: audience in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, it's, it's funny when you, when you mention like, if I put out a seven minute video with an old camera, like what people would say, It, it it's like when I, when I make the longer videos, you know, obviously they take more time. Uh, I'll, I will, I'll always get comments that are like, yeah, this is a great video, but like, it takes way too long for these to come out. Like you should you should put out more you should put out some shorter videos in the meantime. And then I'll put out a shorter video and I will definitely get a comment that's like, yeah, this was a good video, but like your longer videos are way better. You should just take your time and like <laughs> make the longer videos. So what I've learned is that you can't you can only uh you can only work on what you want. You don't you can't like you can't make these videos to like please other people because you're never going to please everybody. So just make the stuff you want to make, and so that's kind of how I've been operating past past couple years. Couple years, um, I I feel yeah. I, I think I think I, I think I stopped chasing the YouTube. I stopped chasing the the I stopped doing the YouTube game three or four years ago, minus my weird obsession with a million subscribers. <laughs> okay. But. Uh, like I, I wasn't doing, um, you know, it would say, oh, you have to put out a video every, like once every month or or whatever. I, I stopped doing that. I, I was just like, you know what? I'll ma- I'm going to pick a topic. I'm going to make the video. And when it's done, it's done. And that's kind of how I've been operating.
0: I never agreed with uh, chasing. the. I call it chasing the dragon like you're a heroin addict. But ch- chasing the algorithm. It's yeah.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It's addicting because
0: you are giving up a piece of yourself. And yes. at that point is it enjoyable at all at that point, even though you're creating something? um, It's you're, it's like you're working for someone else and not yourself anymore. And, and that never appealed to me. Like we, we've been through the let's play phase of YouTube. We've been through Mm -hmm. the top 10 phase and oh boy, did I hate that two or three years (laughs) of that. Top 10 phase. Yeah. We've been, I've
1: tried it all. I've tried it all, Pat. I've tried, I've done a top 10. I've done Uh, let's plays. I've, I even did a podcast for like two weeks. I don't know if you remember that. No, I, I don't remember and, that. You, yeah. You did? Was
0: that a phase of the podcast or was that just something you tried at the time? I feel like podcasts aren't a phase, are they? Are it's
1: just something you want to break up to? I went through a little podcast phase. Who's you the podcast with? How, how did I listen to I this? I did so I did a podcast called Level Seven um with my one of my one of my best friends named Steven. Okay. And uh it was it was, basically we you've seen part in the interruption on ESPN. Of course, PTI. Yeah, so it was like PTI, but for gaming topics, so oh, no. like, and we called it level seven because we had seven topics. Oh, no. And yeah, it was like three minute segments, and then a, a, a bell would go off, and we'd hit up the next topic, just like part in the interruption. So each podcast was like a half hour? Yeah, it was like 30 to 40 minutes, and then we'd have like a big topic in the middle where we'd spend like maybe 10 minutes on. So did you chase the format? Cause you enjoyed that format and thought I, I can slide in video game uh, arguments or discussions. Was it more modern or retro or both? It was both. It was, it was everything. I mean, and like, uh, I, I, I think it was because of your podcast, honestly, like oh, you no. were having a lot of success with the CU podcast okay. and you were uploading your clips to YouTube. And I was like, well, I'll, tr- I'll try that. I'll see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out, and I said <laughs> I'm just going to stick to what I know. And is, so, is this on your YouTube channel? Can I listen to these still? Uh, no, they've been they've been I, I unlisted them. <laughs> I never, Norm. They're I, for me. They're for me now, Norm. I don't think you ever told me you were doing this. Was this like
0: 2016 or 15, because that's when the, this the is podcast was like blew up. 2000,
1: 2013,
0: 2014. Because the podcast didn't blow up until it started getting more popular. I want to say before the chameleon stuff, which was. Uh, 15. It got popular about a year before that. It started getting popular. Yeah, pop, like, it was like 2014. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, we weren't like as close friends as we are now. We weren't room- roommates at conventions yet to the same extent. Uh, so I would have told right. you this is why I would have told you. At the you would have
1: told me to back off. Back off. You're back in, back in off. In there's, there's, all, there's only one
0: retro gaming pocket. No, I would have <laughs> told you to try something more natural. Don't try to squeeze into a format. That's what I would have told you. Try to like just see how it goes with your interaction and chemistry. And then if segments come out from that through discovery, that's you know that's what you lean into.
1: That's what I would have said. Yeah. Well, and I I learned that I like wasn't super comfortable doing it, and so that's why I kind of stopped. I kind of stopped doing it, and I just stuck with the the gaming historian stuff because I, I was very comfortable doing that, and I felt I was doing a good job. So it just didn't feel natural.
0: Basically. It didn't
1: feel natural to me now.
0: Gotcha. You know, one of our other mutual friends had a podcast as well.
1: Really. Yeah. Who are you talking about? Rue. Oh, yeah, Rue. <laughs> you remember Rue? <Roo? laughs> yeah, I do. Now, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have a picture of Rue uh, behind me here. Uh, is that on My his main page, board. the podcast?
0: Uh, I don't know. Is I'm trying to see if that's on his main YouTube page, the podcast. I can't find it. Did he take it away or was it a different channel? Yeah, he did it with his uh, what was it? Friend uh, Dan, the other member of the Grey Wolf. There was a third member the of the Grey Wolf, Wolf, I remember, and there was like some controversy there. I won't get into. There was wow. Yeah, I'm not not aware of this. <laughs> <laughs> there was three members at one point of the gray, of the Grey Wolf. Uh, Joey's doing okay, I think. He's doing all right. Yeah,
1: he uh, he we I saw him at uh, Retro World last year, and it oh. was a, it was fun to hang out with him. It was yeah. fun. To... He, he, he came up just to just to hang out. It was a good time. Uh, I actually, I actually got an invitation for this year's.
0: Actually, I think this morning or yesterday. We'll see if it works out. Are you going to go? Um, you going to put me on the spot publicly
1: about it? Okay, no, you don't have to answer that. You can, you can tell me later. <laughs> I got to see. A great, it's a great show. I, I know. World been, is a lot of fun. I've
0: been there three or four times. It's going to come down to scheduling and everything else. Um, well,
1: and that's a cross country flight for you. So that's it's and
0: it's good. and it's not direct. And that's the one thing that I've discovered. Like I thought, taking a couple years off from traveling because the pandemic basically meant there was no conventions for two years. They were gone all of 2000, and they came back, uh, like summer 2021. Then the fall were the, the first ones that came back. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. I got like a year and a half off. This is going to rejuvenate me. It didn't. It did the o- opposite. It was like it was like um it was like a professional athlete being away from the game for a couple years and trying to come back. And realizing, oh, I don't have the energy for this any as much as I used to. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's, that's yeah. it was surprising because I used to do I think my thing I told you my biggest run of conventions was probably that that when I was out of my mind maniac when the book came out in fall of 2016, where I did like, I don't know, ten conventions in 14 weeks or something insane like that. I do remember that. And it was all like Madre- adrenaline and just i don't even know just youthful pat youthful 36 year old pat that got through that i couldn't do that today but like, there's just no
1: way my body would break down i think it was exci- it was probably an exciting time for for young pat for young so, pat. to get to get his first prime book out. i was and in my it, prime and, yeah it, it, your your book was out and people were really enjoying it and yeah i i can see you i could i i think i would i would go to every show i could too Fire in your position.
0: I think that's what probably happened. But yeah, but once I came back and even even doing like I did, uh, was it last year? I did two weekends in a row, or even just every other weekend, I did uh, a couple with a weekend in between. And I was, after the second one, I was like, I don't know how I can do, how I used to do this. I, I just, and it wasn't like it was more work than it was in the past. It's just like it's caught up to me. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the criticisms I got one time was I, I was, I think on the podcast one time, I talked about how how much work and how much energy it is to travel and then like to set up you know the booths and then you're you're doing a panel or two that weekend and then you're talking to people for like six hours a day how Mm -hmm. much that can take out of you and i think until people do that they don't understand what goes into that in terms of in terms of the energy Mm -hmm. um to do that and i think it's i think we all have maybe like athletes we all have just that that energy supply just dwindles, and it'll never get back to, you know what I mean? Like, LeBron's 38 years old, sports reference. LeBron's still um really good, but he'll never be the peak of LeBron five years ago. He'll just never hit that peak No, anymore.
1: actually, I was watching the Lakers play the Grizzlies the other night, mm-hmm. and LeBron, LeBron started, but I think like 10 minutes in, he went to the bench. And I was like, five years ago, LeBron would never come out of the game. He's older now. He does yeah, like he, he can he needs, still. He needs to take breaks. He can still get get you a forty
0: point game, but he's not doing like you know trip forty point triple doubles anymore. Like that's yeah. that's past him. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be tough. I say that now, he might go off today against the Grizzlies and do that. Uh, but you see what I mean? Like we, we can all hit our performance levels that we did before, but hitting those peaks all the time? No, that's not happening. It's just
1: not You're basically the LeBron James of re- the retro game.
0: <laughs> I'm a compiler. I had some Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I look at myself as
0: a wow, uh what what was his name that got kicked out for Steph? Monta Ellis? I
1: was gonna say go to Monta world. Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I remember now that's a name I haven't heard <laughs> in a long time.
0: Yeah. But well, thankfully I never chased chased the subscribers. Uh you know, I never got caught with that. Because I think if I had, I might not have try to go off YouTube and do other things, to be honest. I'm not, yeah. saying, I'm not saying that prevents everyone, but I've definitely seen I'll, – I'll just put it this way. I was in – I'm in a private uh, creator chat, I'll just say, with like people that I even know all of them. Uh, but we, we probably have a few mutuals. And one person, I guess, felt discouraged just as recently and said, like, what is the end game with YouTube? And I haven't responded, but I, I wanted to type, there is none.
1: It, yeah there there is there is no well okay so here's here's a great example is um when I had my unhealthy obsession with hitting a million subscribers I thought if I can hit a million I'll just feel way better my life's going to be way better when I hit a million subs and I hit the million and I was like yeah I did it and then like my life is still Nothing really changed, you know. I got the plaque, that was really cool, but like it's not like you know, like I had this like transcendent experience that like I I like beat the game or something. It's what, it's it's a cool achievement, but like was that yeah. discouraging or encouraging that it didn't really change anything? It was uh eye-opening, I guess. Eye-opening. It was a good lesson to learn, I guess. Um Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like wow, why did I put so much thought and energy into this for like 2 years <laughs> afterwards? Um I mean, I definitely was like, man, I I shouldn't have like thought about it so much. I honestly didn't uh, know you were thinking about it that much.
0: I know it, we brought it up. I, I like half jokingly. I didn't know like you were thinking about it so much. You never you never gave uh, you never gave an impression to me like, wow, you're thinking about this a lot like every day. I never thought
1: about I it. I mean, it was day. definitely like a a goal I set for myself like I wouldn't say I thought about it every day, but I was I definitely like paid attention to it sure um and but i am i will say that like i'm very proud of myself for hitting the goal um and i think the the reason i'm proud of myself is that i did it i hit the goal doing the videos that i wanted to do i didn't try to do gimmicky stuff i didn't i didn't yeah i I did it a lazy (laughs) podcast yeah, I didn't do some lazy, uh, <laughs> podcast hosted by two hacks. Um, <laughs> uh, what's, what, who sings that? I did it my way. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? Yeah. yeah. I, basically it, it's like the Frank Sinatra song. That's how I feel because I, I know you dabbled with the TikTok a little bit. Uh, at I did. Point. That was uh that was a little experiment. I thought all the, all the kids are getting on TikTok. <laughs> I should go see what this is all about. And, uh, it's a weird it's a weird place, man. I, and that's it's the thing about bad. conversation I see about like, oh,
0: should you start doing more? And I get so many emails now from like, hey, we can edit your content into, into YouTube shorts or we can edit your stuff into TikTok. And I'm just like, that's a totally different medium almost. It's, it's video, but it's an entirely different audience that digests media in a totally different way. And I don't think I could wrap my mind around that and try to learn something like that at this point you want to say my content creation uh, content creating c- career like why would i try to change up my whole philosophy at that point that's what i think about that and so when when i see youtubers like hey should i be focusing on youtube shorts my my response would be you if you want if you actually enjoy doing that but if you think that's going to get you subscribers over to your other content i don't think that's the way it works I think they're no, it's very,
1: it's very hard to get people to go from one platform to another. Like if you, if you go to TikTok and you're like, Hey, check out my YouTube channel. Like it people aren't going to go to YouTube and check out your channel, it's pretty rare that happens.
0: You didn't see that uh. ups, uptick and uh, then they're like, why are all your videos? 45 minutes long. They should be 27 <laughs> seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, and I did when I made the TikTok videos, I did say, "Hey, if you want to learn more about this subject, check out the YouTube channel." Sure. Um, cuz yeah, it was it was an effort to be like, "Hey, maybe I can get more people to watch the the YouTube videos." Um, but yeah, it's it's just a whole different beast and like you never know like what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. I think my most popular TikTok was on the um the sharp Super Famicom TV. I did like oh. a little one-minute version of that video on TikTok, and for some reason, TikTok really liked that video. Uh, w- when I heard about
0: the monetization of TikTok, how it's like a pool of money that gets dispersed out,
1: basically, I was just like, right. this is not going to be long for this world. Something will have so, to give yeah, eventually. The, 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 more people, the more people that are on TikTok, the less money you, you stand to make, yes. basically. Yes, it's yes. just it, and
0: like they're never going to get advertisers the same way as like longer form things. Like it's so funny now YouTube's long form cuz now short form is like TikTok and like Snapchat. You know what I mean? Like that's short form. Um it's really interesting how that's changed cuz obviously YouTube had their their 10 minute lim- limit uh at some mm-hmm. point. And then now it's yeah, like see, wow. Yeah,
1: see we 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 used to do TikTok videos back in the day. There's it... <laughs> with the 10 minute limit on you yeah, and then yeah because I still I still have my playlist of the Pat the NES Punk
0: videos uh, you know part one of four when it was like a 28 yeah. you know 35 minute video like Act 52 or skull and crossbones I used to write and do way too much for those videos by the way back they're way too long way overwritten that's the one thing I've learned the past five years or so is like write less is more when it comes to this stuff uh for at least from, yeah. from my crappy videos. But uh, what was I was going to say about the the time it takes to make these things. So and you said you had, uh, you know, some people are always like, well, well, you know, why does it take so long or you got to put these out more often? And I've, I've seen that come up now with my book, uh, not to make it all about my uh, about the new book. Uh, one, one comment I almost put publicly on blast because it was like the rudest and it was like a private message, too. I don't think it was public, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. It was a private message. Man, they'll hear this. It said, "What's taking so?" I'm paraphrasing. Why is it taking so long with this book? It's been three years. I have to finish my trilogy of book. They said they have to, like, they want their trilogy of books. Like, like, what's taking so long? And when I, I almost replied, like, just saying, "This is the most ignorant, rudest comment I've ever seen." Like, is there anyone no, who you can't say that? Is there anyone? I can't say it was the rudest comment I've seen worse. Is well, I mean,
1: I, I mean, I think, I think maybe, he, I think this is someone that's probably just really excited for your book to come out, uh-huh. and they just, like, maybe they came across the wrong way of being like, I'm excited for your book to come out. They basically call
0: me, like a, like, a listless layabout. And, and
1: it's, 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 it's,
0: <laughs> there's no one who wants the book out more than me. Trust me. There's no one who wants it off my plate. Yeah. You know, like, Sure. But it goes back to just making sure that, you know, that you put in time and effort, because obviously... You don't have to do a video that's an hour long. You know, you can do the same topic in half the time or a 20 minute video, but you sure. know, you have, you said a perfectionism where you want to take the time, you want to make sure it's right.
1: Yeah. And well, and, and it can be to a fault sometimes, my perfectionism. I, oh. I, 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 I should, you should see some of the B roll shots I do oh, where no. like I will film the same thing 15 times.
0: Well, of of like a, a rotating cartridge.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I'll say, oh, there's like uh, like you know, I I have pets, I have cats and dogs. There'll be like a random hair, so I gotta clean it off. <laughs> film it again. Oh, it's a little out, of, it's a little out of focus. Film it again. Oh, the lights off. The lights, the lights, a little off. I need to change that. I'll film it again. I will like oh, I'll always find something wrong with the shot, and uh, it's funny. I remember when uh. I was getting the, Mar- the Mario Kart video finalized because uh, I have I work with um, a company called Proximity Sound. It's run by a lovely man named uh, Emmy, and he does all my audio mixing now because that was my least favorite part of making videos was audio mixing. And he's a professional audio mixer, and so he he makes sure that all the videos sound good no no matter where you listen to them, like you know headphones, speakers, your car, whatever. And uh, he noticed a a little mistake in the Mario Kart video audio wise. And so he was like, well, we'll just we'll just clip this part and it'll be fine. And like I was like freaking out about it because I was in Michigan at the time. I couldn't like fix it. I wasn't at my computer. Okay, so you couldn't get him a new track with the correction. Right. And he was just like and he was just like, I'll just I'll just work around it like no one's really going to notice it. It's in the final version. And, I will I I. No one's pointing it out. Probably no. Well, I remember I showed it to Kristen. I was like stressing. I was like, "Oh man, I really messed this up." Oh and wow! I was, and I, so I pl- I played like a thirty second segment where the mistake is, mm-hmm. and in and, and Kristen was like, w- w- "What was it?" And I was like, "You didn't hear that? <laughs> it's it's He's, there. Like, what it's are you awful." Talking about <laughs> yeah. That, that and that's 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 where I say perfectionist to a fault. And she
0: probably sight. looked at you like, "What did I do?" Like,
1: what? <laughs> yeah, she looked at me like you're insane and you need the, help. <laughs> there's um,
0: there's a slight, and I went through um, what you called? What did you call the my television Amico Christmas special? What was it? How did you phrase it to me? Your mag, your magnum opus. <laughs> And my magnum opus which a
1: few other people actually made Th- that comment. That was a very funny video. Thank you. Like Norm. yeah, it was yeah, I was highly entertained. Because usually they're not. Um so Because usually <laughs> I I don't watch your videos. Usually you turn them off. Um that's one <laughs> Ian actually watched cuz he doesn't watch them he said I enjoyed that. And like for for Ian I I honestly I think my favorite part was was the stuff with Frank like the beginning the and end and all that. <laughs> Hey, Italian. Stru- it was all based around the whole plot was you buying truthfully for christmas <laughs> well that we've done that gag on a couple other christmas episodes
0: yeah it's a callback i overthink my some of this youtube stuff with callbacks and writing references That's comedy to minis- baby i guess callback. yeah i guess um what was I going to say? There was an audio error even – and I went through five different renders of that video where I was like – because, you know, when, once you put it on YouTube and you watch in a different environment, you'll see something you missed the first time, something in a transit. So there's an audio thing that happens in it where it bothers me. No one's pointed it out in it where I'm just yeah. like, son of – it's probably the same sort of thing where it's like, yeah, if you listen, you can probably hear it, but no one's going to – be that crazy except for no, us no
1: one no one will know no or you will know yes but no, I know. no one will know i hear it every time i go
0: back to that section or it's just like ah, i had to i had to bring the audio on that thing down just a little bit more you know just something it was like one of those stupid things like that um yeah has your mission statement now changed since the beginning of, of doing uh the videos is there, is there like is it sort of like well there's so much more that's on youtube now and that people have learned about yeah, we've 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 heard the doki doki panic thing a billion times. Like, is there? Do you now? Do you see? Like, well, now I have it. A, a it's like a
1: meme now. Like I, I know. Doki doki. Mario I'm
0: glad. Is this ridiculous? And at one point, it was. Pretty a funny.
1: Meme. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mission statement. I mean, I I feel like I'm just I'm still doing what I'm doing is just um, finding topics that interest me, and I'm I'm trying to put out a good quality, informative video about. About the topic, that's really, that's what I want to do. Because, you know, you
0: could see where we've come in terms of in the past, I want to say, five years. We'll go back to 2016. That's always, to me, like, that's the delineation of now retro gaming is now mainstream. That was
1: like seven years ago, right? Jesus, we're getting old.
0: Seven years (laughs) ago, yes. Because that year you had a few things happen. Obviously, the, the NES Classic. I think I don't think Nintendo realized what they did when they did that. Um, when that came out, they had no idea that was going to sell out. And then they they people were they oh
1: did... the the NES the mini the yeah the classic edition console yeah the
0: classic edition. Yeah. Um, I don't think they realized how much the retro gaming. At least maybe in Japan, they had no idea what it meant to people. I don't think they had any idea because they sold mm-hmm. out of what they made like a, a couple million. Uh, they sold them out instantly. Then they think they made another million after that. And Then the Super Nintendo they made more the next year because they realized it that, and then I think I remember telling you like, that was the first time I saw like super Mario brothers on like two different commercials. Uh, there was a Bowser reference giving a gift to Mario on a McDonald's commercial that came out that year. I don't know if you remember that It was an animated thing. I think it was Mm. 16 or 17, but definitely when I saw two adults, we'll just say around 30 years old on a, on a fruit loops commercial playing the OG super Mario brothers, I was like, now we're here. Now, if a major corporation thinks that, you know, a a, a monolithic, blinded by corporate greed, corporation is going to think that, wow, leaning into retro gaming is going to make us money somehow. Now, now we're here, and I think that's. and, And then a few years later, you get the Switch Online, which people were clamoring for. You had the Super Nintendo Classic, you got the the awful PlayStation Classic, Genesis Classic. All these new analog FPGA systems. This is all in the past, like, six years,
1: this stuff. Yeah, yeah. The uh, FPGA stuff really blew up. Sure. That's, uh, that's the Turbo graphics fantastic. One, too, the TurboGrafx mean... one, they announced that one, I think at
0: this point, two and a half years ago. When that comes out, that's going to be nuts. The TurboGrafx Mini. I couldn't believe that, that they did that. It's like, wow, the Konami's mm-hmm. mining that finally. And it sold well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Two
1: Genesis Minis, which is the second one I still well, think Even the fact that there is a movie about how nintendo got the rights to tetris the fact that that movie exists is have you seen that movie on apple tv norm i have pat what did you think of it (laughs) okay i'm gonna preface this by saying i am very happy the movie was made
0: you're happy because that it got the attention that it did that. Lisa I'm happy talked... the
1: movie exists because I feel like this this has the potential to do what like what like movies like Saving Private Ryan did for like World War II history. Like that film, when I saw that when I was uh what, ten years old, which I probably shouldn't have been watching that when I was ten. But no. I s it came out in ninety eight. I was ten. Um And that really got me into history. I was like fascinated by that movie. And so I'm like, I hope people can watch Tetris and say, wow, that was really interesting. What else is out there in the video game history sphere? (sighs) I don't know if Tetris will do that. I hope it does. But here's the thing. It's
0: such a radical unrealistic version of events that if they if people look
1: for that elsewhere they're not gonna find it. You know? Yeah, I know. But I mean saving Private Ryan wasn't hyper wasn't a hyper realistic movie. Yeah, but those events happened. Like they they stormed the beach of Normandy. Like those things happened though. <laughs> well wait wait a second. Wait, I well I know uh, they happened, but like uh um, World War II happened. Like people were I know, but like the the but like the the events of the Tetris movie happened as well was it exactly how it happened well,
0: no uh, were there were there KGB chases that were no, <laughs> no there was not. was there no. was there threats of kidnapping someone's family over the rights to a video game
1: no <laughs> no okay so now we're going to get after my preface why okay. the movie exists okay? okay i hope it gets people interested in video game history <laughs> having said that um it's it's not a good movie okay it's not and i'm even if i ignore all of the historical inaccuracies of the movie Uh it's still just not a good movie on its own
0: let me just say this real quick rotten tomatoes it's just the genre on rotten tomatoes is mystery and thriller slash
1: biography that's what it is well that's so yeah so that's one of my beefs with the movie is it had the movie has no idea what it wants to be is it a fun is it a comedy is it a dramedy is it a drama is it a spy thriller is it an action thriller is it a just a straight drama is it a biography we don't know it tries to do kind of everything 82 percent on a tomato meter while it's nowhere near as addictive
0: or fast-paced as the game, Tetris offers a fun, fizzy account of the story behind an 8-bit classic. So I guess the reviewers don't care that this is like mostly BS. Like this is like like Gorbachev was not involved with with getting the rights to Tetris.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, oh uh, we we should put you should put a spoiler alert. Oh spoilers,
0: Gorbachev. Oh, spoiler
1: help. alert. Um... <laughs> There, There is a scene near the end of the movie where they, like, go to the capital and Gorbachev's they're about to give a speech on... Um, it was like the anniversary of some big event in the Soviet Union, I can't remember, where they run the tanks through Red Square. That's coming up. That's actually... Um, I think that's on my birthday. That's uh, their victory day for World War uh, II, I believe. Okay. I think so. So, yeah, in the in movie, May. they're about to... He's about to give a speech and, you know, all the... The Maxwells run up to Gorbachev, like right before he's going to give the speech, and like, we need the rights to Tetris, and he's like, he's like, my country is about to collapse. (laughs) It's 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 just it's crazy. And you can't tell if they're doing this for comedy or they're trying to be poignant about this. Like what they they are. Well, it's like they're like weirdly trying to tie the rights to Tetris to the collapse of the Soviet Union.
0: All right. Okay. So that's what I mean. Like, it would be like if saving private Ryan after they stormed the beaches, they were just like, they went and they, they you know, and they killed Hitler in the next 25 minutes. You're know, like, it's like,
1: yeah. So I, I you know, like I'll a glorious bastard, saving private Ryan real quick, yeah. because, um, I, I, it is, it is, um, I do want to say that like the opening scene of saving private Ryan is very powerful. It, it did bring a lot of veterans like it made them very emotional watching that. Sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is like after that very powerful, realistic portrayal of battle, they, they're suddenly like, "All right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go take out Hitler." And it's like an eight man squad we, going to take yeah. out Adolf, <laughs> which is what Inglorious Bastards is.
0: It's like, well, this is just a hyper stylized comic comedy, yeah, comic book sort of telling of of a historical account that, right but this doesn't sell it like that. This is selling like this no. is historical.
1: That's my problem. No, because, in, uh, and they even do like the post credit, like where are they now thing. Sure. Um. So yeah, it, just, there's so much stuff in that movie I, I could talk about. Um. The opening, so the first five minutes of the film is Hank Rogers talking to like a bank, a bank loaner guy. Oh no. And it's just him talking about Tetris for five minutes. They don't show how the game was made. They don't talk about how they had to reprogram it for IBM. They don't talk about, like, how it spread like wildfire. Like, he he says those things. But, you know, the old, the phrase show, don't tell. It was an expedition dump at the beginning of the movie. It was exposition, yeah. Five minutes of exposition about Tetris. And I was like, why couldn't you just show this? It could be, like, a ten-minute scene of, like, the game being made in, like, getting popular a little montage before you go to russia yeah you know i don't know and then they they had this scene of hank rogers at ces las vegas okay um he first of all hank rogers uh he worked for he he owned bulletproof software so japanese publisher um and in real life he went to ces to find games that he could publish in japan uh in the movie, he has a booth at CES and he's trying to market the game go to North American audiences. So it's the opposite happen, of by the way. opposite of reality. Yeah, which didn't happen by the way. And then it it's like yeah, he he's at his booth and then he looks over and the booth next to him is Tetris and he's like, What's this game? Oh, like, God. Over. You know, oh, God. Uh, and then my my one of my favorites is uh, they uh, like Yam so he meets with the Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamuchi and he shows him Tetris that's in the Yamauchi's, trailer yeah yeah and Yamuchi's like not bad which actually whoever played Yamuchi did a great job because that's basically what Yamuchi was like uh, very stone faced and whatnot but um, Yamuchi's like you should go to North America there's something you should see. He flies to North America to meet with Howard Lincoln and uh, Minoru Arakawa, who are the vi- president and vice president of Nintendo of America. And they're like, and they have like lab coats on. This is in the trailer too. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, we can't wait to show you this. And they show him the Game Boy in like a clean room, like it's like a bioweapon <laughs> or something. <laughs> but it's also like, why couldn't he just do that in Japan? Well, yeah, like, weren't they developing it in Japan? They make it in Japan. <laughs>
0: So it Not was the, in Seattle was the premise of the movie was like, well, we like this idea. Get inspiration by seeing the Game Boy. And now you're going to think you're going to get the rights to our packing game.
1: Is that oh, what? It, it gets better? OK, so, you know, he he pitched He pitched Tetris to Yamauchi and then he sees the Game Boy. He's like, oh, my God, I have. What if we did this? And he like takes a. he's like, was this programmed in C? And they're like, yes. And he takes this cable. And he hooks oh, no. the Game Boy to oh, the no. cable, and then a Famicom, and then suddenly Tetris magically ports to no, the Game Boy. No, no. He was like,
0: "This could be huge." And I was just like, "Oh no! They did it! They did not indi- like, They didn't! Can't. They did an Independence Day hooking the MacBook to the Alien, exactly, for the virus." <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. He plugs it in, and Tetris he appears. He plugs it in, and, and Tetris oh, just appears on the Game Boy. What was the Famicom? That was assembly, though, right? Was it wasn't even C?
1: Yeah, the game. It, yeah, the Game Boy wasn't even in C. So I don't understand it. just made mm. up shit. Yeah. Wow. There. So there's lots of little things like that. Little that. that there. Well, it's like little inaccuracies that, like, yeah, if you're like a, a video game history or like a retro gaming buff, yeah, you'll notice them. Like, there's one scene where it's like, oh, it's like, Mario needs Luigi and uh, and Link needs Zelda, and they show. They don't show Link and Zelda on the screen. They just show two links for some reason. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, did they have anyone like consulting on this film that can point out, hey, that's what? not Link and Zelda. That's just two links. Were the links like different colors? Like Luigi <laughs> Mario? <laughs> yeah. So it was the links from like Four Swords Adventure on the Game Boy Advance where like you can you can choose like different colored links and you could do like co-op dungeons and stuff. Yeah. That's all it was. <laughs> There was, was two two different colored links. It's like a blue and a green link. There was an inaccuracy that bothered me a lot
0: uh, in a, a video game documentary that came out where it commented on the, the censorship of, of Mortal Kombat
1: mm-hmm. on
0: on the uh, on the Super Nintendo. But they got they've they got the game wrong. I believe they showed Mortal Kombat Two, which was not censored in North America. So they did that but then they said, "Well, they made the blood green." But they made it gray on the NES. They made it sweat. It wasn't right. green, it was gray. So they they didn't just capture video of the actual censorship.
1: They they made up their own censorship and it was wrong. Yeah, which is so strange cuz like this is like I don't know. I I feel like I'm just one guy making YouTube videos. I would never, like, why would I even think to, like, make up a video for what I can easily just capture on the game and show, right? It was bizarre. And I might have actually pointed out to the person that was involved with this and just say,
0: this is wrong. Like, I don't care if you interviewed someone and said they turned the blood green. They didn't. It was, there was no blood in Mortal Kombat. That's the point. There was no blood. They made it sweat. It's gray. Yeah, and it, and in Mortal Kombat 2, there's no censorship was why it was a great port. So anyway, it, it's just weird because now we might get to this point. Like I'm not saying this is going to start this, where people are going to want to capitalize on this more. We've seen document, we've seen uh, the Power Up documentary series on Netflix, which um, was shaky at best. We'll just say that because you know they didn't bother to go to Japan at all for some of these uh, documentaries. And actually talk to some of these folks for some of them. I'm Power gonna...
1: up was that the was that the Nintendo one that was on like Crackle?
0: Yeah, I'm confusing. Yeah, the Crackle one that didn't go to Japan at all. Uh, I think that one. And then there was uh, the other one that was shaky because I tried to. They did like two different, um, two different, or three different topics per video but they had nothing to do with each other uh high score high score yeah high score had an episode where we're going to talk about uh like i think we're going to talk about the rise of like multiplayer game and first person shooter and then also the fx chip on uh for super nintendo it was like two different entire (laughs) jumped around you remember that i was just like what is happening here
1: um man it makes the video game year seem like high art at that point (laughs) Well, uh, I, and and going back to Tetris, again, like I can get past the inaccuracies. I'm just I'm just like ranting and raving right now. Uh I don't think like, you I are though. I under, I understand it's a movie. It's not going to be like no one's no one's going to cite the Apple TV Tetris movie in like an academic paper or anything. It's it's a movie. But like Yeah, I don't know. The the story of of Tetris is super interesting on its own. You don't have to like make up these KGB agents coming in and blackmail, and it was so weird because the KGB agents like they went up to Hank Rogers, they're like, "Go home, Mister Rogers, go home," and he just like shows up the next day, and the KGB agents aren't there. It's like like doing these deals, and nothing me- seems to have any meaning behind it. Well, I that's my that's only my my only fear is that if once once they can
0: discover they can monetize this, they'll just not care and just get it all wrong. It, the worst thing—the worst thing we had to fear before was the Pixels movie and how how bad it was. You know what I mean? But that—that that was what we had to fear. But that was fiction. This is t- saying this is like historical fiction.
1: You know, like it's, blurring the lines. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I, uh, a couple years ago, I got emails from a few screenwriters in Hollywood. You never told who, me this. Who were like, yeah, so I got emails from a few screenwriters who said, hey, I watched your Tetris documentary. This would make a really good movie. Do you want to work on something? And I would tell every single one of them, yeah, I I agree. This would be a great movie. I would love to, like, consult and, like, help with the process. Because I don't know anything about screenwriting. Mm -hmm. But I could help with, like, you know, the historical stuff, sure. But every time they they would email me back few weeks later a few months later hey we found out uh someone already bought the rights to the story we can't make it but they never that's what you. the apple tv tetris movie was uh, do you think they bought it because they saw your video no i don't i don't know i don't think so so, so I, th- I think i i think i saw an interview with the writer and he said he he uh, he heard about the story in like 2014 or something and started writing it. Then. Well,
0: technically, anyone can do their own version. I mean, as long as they write their own thing, it's not
1: like they bought yeah. the rights to well, a yeah, particular script. Yeah. yeah, and that's history. It's it's you know people interpret the past differently, and sure. so um, yeah, this was like his weird, twisted version of what happened with getting the rights to Tetris. Norm, I I, I see a screenplay in your future. You do a a two hour version. Here's of it my was... version. <laughs>
0: You can put some humor in. It. No, no KGB agents like hitting people in the in the gut and chasing well, them in cars like the Bourne Identity. And uh,
1: <laughs> have you ever seen the film Burn After
0: Reading? No, by the Coen Brothers. No, and, I, and that's supposed to be good.
1: Well, all Coen Brothers. So do. it's a very it's it's a it's a hilarious movie about these two kind of stupid people that work at a gym and they find a a CD with a bunch of files on it. And it belongs to this guy who used to work for the CIA, but all that's on the CD are the guy's memoirs. It's like, but these two people that work at the gym, they think it's like top secret CIA stuff. Gotcha. And so the whole movie is about them, like trying to sell the CD to like the, the Russians or like, they're trying to blackmail this guy. So it's, it's a very funny movie. And I think, the Tetris movie would have been perfect if it was like that because the story of getting the rights to Tetris really is a comedy of errors. That's what it is. Like people like messing up over and over and over. So you can
0: do a movie that's maybe stretches the truth, but stick more to, you
1: know, the facts a little bit. You can still have something funny. You can have something funny. You can have something heartfelt because. You, you know, you can focus more on Pagetinoff making this game and like everyone's fighting over this game and he's just kind of like on the sideline, like watching it all play out. And then in the end, you know, he finally gets rewarded for this incredible game he made. But yeah, I you, I feel like that movie can be made without, you know. The car chase scene the There's a car chasing in this movie, by the way. To the trailer, and I saw. Like it, I'm like, what is this? To the airport. <laughs> it's like, like, don't let him, don't let him fly away with with that contract to the rights to Tetris. Sure. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's bizarre. It's a crazy movie. Um, did you see Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. I did. I I just saw that this week because you told me to watch it. I didn't tell you. I, re- I asked you. I said
0: you gave I gave me homework for this I, podcast. You know, hey, hey, it's a tax deduction that ticket.
1: You're right. <laughs> no, I did I did go see it and um I I thought it was great. Okay. I liked it. I the whole time I thought gosh, I wish they would have done this 30 years ago when they when they wanted to make a Mario movie, if they had just made like an animated film about this basic story about Mario's transported to this world and he has to rescue for the princess peach or he has to rescue luigi or whatever it would have been fantastic if like a hand drawn animated mario film well did they did one in japan didn't they yeah but that's i'm talking about like a, a major theatrical release imagine if like the, like don bluth animated did a Mario animated movie or something like that?
0: That'd be, crazy. <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing.
1: Don Booth animated. Uh, the princess would have looked like uh, one of his, one of his women in one of his games. Yeah, sure. Leggy and busty a little bit. Um, yeah, it's. But it was it was a fun movie. I loved
0: all the little references. I thought it was very like, fun. I just didn't think. Yeah. I just think you know, we talk about the pockets. I just think they just did bizarre things in it that I just couldn't believe. There
1: there are a few things that were questionable. I want to go back to the references though because I did I felt like do you know that meme of like Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the TV like oh, yes. oh I know I know that I, I felt like that watching the whole movie. I was like, oh look at that, look, look at this, look at this. Yeah. So it was it was fun. Um They got you with yeah, shiny so, objects. <laughs> exactly. Which I'm fine with. It's fine. I want to be entertained for the Mario movie. I'm not expecting a a crazy plot for a Mario movie. In the games there is not a crazy plot. It's it's fine. There were some things that bothered me. Though the, I think the biggest thing was the some of the the licensed music they played in the movie. You didn't like all the 80s soundtrack? the Take on Me and all the
0: I they, no sleep till Brooklyn when they were in Brooklyn. I thought that was nice.
1: Okay, when they got in the 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 go-kart and Take on Me started playing. I just I didn't understand. <laughs> Why I, is take on me playing right now? I think they wanted to keep with the 80s because
0: that's when those games came out, Donkey Kong and 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 the and the Mario Brothers games. That's that's what I thought. I said, okay, this makes sense. And plus, the audience seeing it, bringing their kids, grew up in the 80s.
1: So like, so I like that. I, so yeah, I think you're right. They were probably trying to appeal to like the parents mm-hmm. as well. But I don't know. I the the orchestral Mario score in that movie was really good. It was like great. You could hear some of the references, some of the references, yeah. of like which games they were using. Little motifs. And, uh, yeah. I, I thought. Oh, yeah, then then I hear Take on Me. They get in the cart and I'm like, that's just weird. I don't know. Felt out of place. I just thought that, I mean, I would love to see a script without any of the Donkey Kong shit because Donkey Kongs don't
0: belong in the movie at all. What? You didn't like the Donkey Kong? No. They don't belong in the movie. They have no character arcs and they were just in there to, to give the movie two more action scenes. That's it. No, they needed help. They
1: needed help defeating
0: Bounty. Help that didn't
1: materialize so it didn't matter there wasn't a big donkey kongs versus it didn't you know, work out they wanted it to work out it, it didn't work out it was just it, like, like peach and her army of toads weren't going to take out bowser and she knew that so she had to go to the kongs
0: no, I understand the concept of the story, Norm. I'm just saying there's no payoff. So, why is it in the movie? It's in there to get, get a, a Smash Brothers type of fighting scene to, for another game reference. And to get mm-hmm. uh, it was beautifully done, the Mario Kart action. Because if you don't have those two action scenes, you have no action in the movie until the beginning and end of the movie. You just don't have anything. So, that's why they're in the movie. That's it. But when I was watching this, I was just like, I did not expect that. I did not expect them to spend 20 minutes hanging out with the Kongs uh, just to get those scenes out of there. And then, like, Donkey Kong does nothing in the movie. Like, he gets into a fight, doesn't do anything in the final battle. Uh, really, and then Seth Rogen. Well, Seth Rogen doesn't even bother to do a voice at all. It's just Seth
1: Rogen. It's, it's <laughs> just Seth Rogen. <laughs>
0: Everyone else does a voice. Honestly,
1: <laughs> I, I thought Seth Rogen was great as Donkey Kong. Just, just I was like, yeah, I, I, I would expect Donkey Kong to sound like this. You, you, would, you would expect it sure. to sound like Okay. Yeah, I was fine. I'll, I'll agree to I, disagree there. I, I didn't like Cranky Kong.
0: Well, it was just like... You already had
1: I a. F- Fred Armisen. I don't know. I just I wasn't feeling the vibe of cranky Kong. But you already had
0: a father son dynamic set up at the beginning of the movie that they ignored. That was to me the biggest flaw. You had this beautiful setup with the family, which I loved. That I loved everything in Brooklyn. I loved the punch up pizzeria.
1: I loved Charles Martinette's jump Jumpman on the Jumpman. Like that was all. Did you uh did you did you think uh that in that pizzeria you think Little Mac Little Mac was back there like making pies? <laughs> That's what I'm imagining. It was- is like L- Little Mac retired and he was running the well, pizzeria now. I did they're trying to bring the whole cinematic universe together. That makes yeah. sense. I didn't know
0: somehow that Donkey Kong went from being in our world to being in the Mario world. They must have retconned that at some point, but whatever, that's fine. Yeah, I was just like, okay, they exist <laughs> in the same world. Okay. Sure. Uh, um but Of course they exist in the same world. But I mean the Mush- they didn't exist in the Mushroom Kingdom. That's my whole point like in that world. They, they existed in um, Oh,
1: I see. I see. Okay
0: he was he was a pet gorilla in the first game, you know that's it, when, when when they're still working yeah. for,
1: but i love the I love the wrecking crew stuff with four minute uh spike that I was did great. like that how they even referenced like oh, you used to work for me, yes that's like, great. oh yeah, like in wrecking crew because
0: he started <laughs> off his career working on you know the girders and stuff he was a carpenter yeah. or whatever before it was a plumber um but the the like I said the Donkey Kong stuff was out of place, but I love the setup of the family and them actually having a pixar ish Uh, adult sort of theme where the father directly says, you're dragging your brother down with you. He's going to end up being like a nothing. What are you doing? And I'm like, wow, there's a brilliant setup that we haven't seen in any game before. It plays on the fact that Luigi's timid. Maybe he just follows Mario. Here, we're off. And they do absolutely nothing with that concept that they set up at the beginning of the movie. And I was just like, I was like shocked. By that, yeah. I why, mean,
1: it's it. The, the plot's not. Why even go to some place like that if you're not going to follow up with it? Stick Luigi hey, in it. Well, I learned that Mario never gives up. That's that's the lesson I learned. That's that's Luigi. his arc. He never gives up. And Luigi never gives up.
0: Luigi's arc is I'm freed from a cage and I'm in for an hour of the movie, and that's like that's it. Like that. And
1: even if the, like I still no, he, he no no Luigi's whole thing was like together we can do anything. I remember at the end they both got the star power and they like defeated Bowser. But
0: that wasn't ever really in doubt that much. I guess if you say they screwed up, they screwed up the. But it wasn't their fault screwing up the um the plumbing job. It really wasn't their fault. It was the it was that yep. it was that the was dog.
1: pretty wacky, huh?
0: What's that? That was, a, that was a wacky scene. No, I actually enjoyed that because it was a reference to uh Three Stooges uh, "Plumbing We Will Go," one of their more famous uh short
1: films. Here's how. Here's how old I am now. I watched that scene and I saw like. You know, they initially fixed it, and then, like, it, like, turned into a mess, and there was, like, pipes bursting out of the tile, and the tile was being smashed, and the, I was just thinking, oh, man, this is just getting, this is going to be so expensive. So. <laughs> yeah, your homeowner instincts kicked yeah.
0: in? Yeah. I talked to one of our it's mutual like, friends. Oh, my God.
1: I talked to one of our mutual friends who hated that scene.
0: Like, they said that, that was the worst scene. I said, I actually loved that scene. I thought it was, I liked the slapstick. I liked how the dog was floating up and being mean. Like, I thought it was funny. I thought that was yeah, I thought it,
1: I thought it was funny.
0: I, I, so you build up this brotherhood stuff that, like I said, isn't really capitalized because you separate the characters out after that, and, and they're not together for the rest of the movie. That's
1: mm-hmm. fine. It's it's for kids. I understand that. But, you know, it I want... Did, what did you think of Mario still living at home with his parents? That was bizarre. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird. Because I, I, I said in the podcast, the CU
0: podcast was like, that's like a, a meme of like, Jersey, New York... You know, you're still like 35 living at home with your mom who does your laundry for you, but you have like an expensive car. That came to mind. But I just don't think they want them to be adults. I think Nintendo does not <laughs> want, for some reason, they want Mario and Luigi to be like these weird, youngish characters to appeal to children. But when we were children, we didn't care they were adults. We loved the Mario Super Show with Captain Lou, where like they yeah. were obviously middle-aged. Yeah,
1: they were like middle-aged working
0: plumbers. All all the commercials and material from the 80s, uh like the, the Mario Brothers uh console port commercial, they are all older and Luigi's all scared. Mario, where are you? Does a yeah. carpet for he's older. And w- we've gotten to a weird point. This goes back to my I'm not gonna go off on how much I love G.I. Joe, but for some something switched in the nineties where the corporations decided, well, kids can't like something anymore that has adult characters; they have to be younger, and that's for somehow what's happened with Mario and Luigi. And it's bizarre to me. That's all I can say. It's bizarre how they can't trust us to like adult characters, or they have to be like
1: youngish or like twenty. I feel like the Mario universe really changed circa two thousand five, two thousand six. They kind of it kind of flipped. You think like, so? It, it, yeah, when like the new Super Mario Brothers games came out on like the Nintendo DS, they kind of, they kind of had, they kind of like set up these like really strict like these are the sounds that play, uh, this is the music that plays. I they all they they became a lot of those games felt very formulaic. It's like they they added these strict standards of like what Mario should be, whereas before they like they experimented with Mario and everything. You know, you had, I mean, even just thinking about like how different, uh, you know, they go from, like, Super Mario and then Mario 3, they try all this new stuff, Mario World, Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, they do Mario RPG. Like, they they tried Mario and all these different things. You know? Besides, like, Mario teaches typing. And that's where, you know, Charles Martinette cut his teeth. Hey, yeah, they're, they're trying it. Yeah, they tried that. And it, but yeah, when new Super Mario Brothers came out on the DS, I feel like they really, like, changed how the mario universe worked it's going to be uniform going forward these are the rules because remember it it was it was it was a little more childish like it was a little more for the kids
0: remember before this movie easier
1: before this like the gold power up that gives that gives you infinite lives or whatever and you can't be touched stuff like that they retconned out like them coming
0: from brooklyn forever like it wasn't mentioned at all until this movie again like mm-hmm. they just said, oh, they just exist in the mushroom kingdom. But there are Italian American, you know, plumbers that are in the, that are in the mushroom kingdom. Like, like, what is this? does this make any sense. Any- like, so you establish them as yeah. being here. Somehow he gets into there. It's, it doesn't even explain in the in the Super Marbo's manual how he gets there. That was decided. You know, with with the basically mm-hmm. the cartoon helped uh, us establish that. Uh, in the late '80s, which is great because you needed to like say, "Okay, this is how how he got to the Mushroom Kingdom," whatever else. But then they went away from that and just didn't acknowledge it
1: for like 30 years. Yeah, they're just these these two guys in this wild and crazy world. Yeah, so that's why I love the. <laughs> and I even stuff. think they they like I don't even know if they said they were plumbers. I feel like Miyamoto has like changed their jobs. There's like, yeah, they're not plumbers anymore. They're just like that they wear overalls and that's <laughs> yeah. There's it's just their outfit.
0: What, are the, what do they
1: they're, do? They're accountants.
0: Well, in with the Mushroom p- Kingdom. Well, this movie I think reestablishes like this is what they are. I mean, it's a major movie that's you know most success. It's gonna be like the most successful anime movie ever when it's probably all said and done.
1: Yeah, so. it's uh, whew, it's I think it's past eight hundred
0: million. I think Nintendo's recently. kicking themselves for not doing this like ten years ago when they could have done this movie. Still, maybe would have looked as nice, but it still would have looked great. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, they're they're already working on more movies i I'm think i still... just saw a tweet today that they're they're already starting to plan new, new yeah. nintendo movies they want to and do it a... man they have they can do so much it i mean nintendo really is like the disney of video games they have all these amazing ips they can just print money i still think they'll do a legend of zelda at some point i still think you know people are like oh i don't want to hear link talk get over it like remember that remember that weird rumor a couple years ago that netflix was making a legend of zelda <laughs> series I don't think that was ever do you remember that? Yeah, I do but like I don't nothing, think it ever got nothing anywhere. Came of that. I think i, I th- let my I'm gonna let my cat out real quick. Hang sure. on. Oh, working from home with kitties. Um Yeah, if if you close the door, she'll like there can be no closed doors in the house. She'll freak out. I need a I need a castle country feline. Uh
0: we talked about the last five, six years about all of these you know all the all these like uh, the mini consoles being re- released, the commercials, retro gaming being mainstream, mm-hmm. which I was surprised me. What's also surprised me, and this is really only I looked this up the past three three and a half years, all of the licensed re releases of classic games that have happened. Stuff from Limited Run, uh, from Retrobit, in particular, yeah. like these companies that have gone out and come out with like high quality. Uh, like packages of these games that you may or may not have had as a kid. Like one of the biggest ones that first occurred, which I I remember speaking about, like this will be the test case. I remember talking about this with Josh from Limited Run like five, six years ago was going to be Metal Storm. So we, I always that's, said- That's the one I have. That's the one I immediately thought of. And that was pretty much the first one that got everyone's attention because that was RetroBit that did that. And that was late 2019. I remember talking about it at least a year or two before with with Josh, and I was like, Josh, there's a market here because these games are good and they're expensive and hard to find. Um, and when you market them, people will discover them because no one knew about Metal Storm when it came out, and people today, uh, up until that game's release, didn't probably know about it. And so that came out, and from there, I think it opened the floodgates, and now there, uh, there's multiple companies, uh, you know, uh I am 8 bit did their, you know, the Disney re releases. They did, remember they did Street Fighter II and the Mega Man stuff like three, yep. four years ago. Uh, you, you've seen this happen. And it's interesting to me from a potential historical perspective. And this is it. Something like Metal Storm uh, is a borderline rare game, very uncommon, was not made a lot, at least here. No one really had it. Then it gets re released, which gets it more fanfare, more people know about it. Well, could that potentially change? The sort of the dialogue on history of these games looking decades forward, where, like, if a game is obscure, but then eventually gets popular or more popular decades after its release, due to a licensed re-release. And I think that's fascinating to think about. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I just think it's a weird sort of twist
1: on things. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it, but when you think about, I don't know, doesn't that happen in film and music all the time, though? Like... They re-release or remaster an old album that was, you know, popular or critics loved it, and they they remaster it and re-release it. I'm I'm sh- sure, but I guess with video game history
0: being so in its infancy still, and in that we're still we're like the first generation of sort of gaming historians, so to speak, like the first ones. Why
1: well, I'm the only one? You're the, you're I'm the, the, the,
0: the okay. I, I'm I'm a subordinate gaming historian in some way, <laughs> but I just think. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but uh, I'm seeing like obscure games and I'm saying it's it's actually good that I, I think it's good that you have some of these obscure uh, games being re-released because people didn't know about them. It's good to get them out there. People know about them again and, and have a chance to own them, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. and they can discover something that they didn't know about. I just think it, it's, it's going to throw a weird wrench in things. Maybe we're going to be gone like 100 years from now. I think it might. It might change history a little bit that's all i just think it's interesting i'm not even saying it's bad necessarily it just might alter our per- no,
1: perspective it's a good thing it's i i metal storm is a fantastic game and when they announced they were re-releasing it in this cool box set and it came with like a little like figurine sure it was it was awesome and i i bought the i bought the box set and it was and i think they they like fixed some stuff in the game too they like change some color palettes and stuff. Uh, I'm not sure about that one, but I believe in Wily Wars they got rid of like slowdown in places. Yeah, so they're like remastering these games, and uh, I mean if if you don't like it, then you can always like play the original if you just want to experience the OG version. But like, it's great that like people are able to access these games that are yeah. I mean, Metal Storm's a hard cartridge to find. It uh, is like Limited so. Run. Uh, they're they're a big one. I remember uh,
0: when when it came out. I said this is going to be huge. I said that to Josh, and um, they should they could order a lot more when they did Night Trap, the the Night Trap re release. Yep, that was a notorious game at the time that people knew about it back then, and just a lot of people just didn't own it, for whatever reason they didn't have a Genesis or they didn't have a Sega CD, uh, you yeah. know, for it. So that's an interesting case because that's like almost like a time capsule of, of how things were at a particular point in time. And it was like it was like a, like a touchstone game for
1: the you know for the anti video game congressional movie. You know? It was it was uh, um, it was yeah one of the one of those uh, controversial games that the ESR you know that formed the ESRB eventually. And then you have Limited Run doing, and I think it's, I'm not saying it's bad. They're doing this. They're gonna do, they're
0: doing a re release of of Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. Uh, that's gonna which is sure. a sure which isn't really a video game but whatever i mean i guess it is it's just a schlocky barely choose your own adventure soft core porn
1: game that was on the 3do that's hard to find um sure if if limited run thinks thinks they can they can make money selling plumbers don't wear ties they're gonna release plumbers (laughs) don't wear ties
0: but will that will, will that create a fake nostalgia or people be like
1: uh 30 years ago. Like, yeah, I remember playing Plumbers Don't Wear Ties when it came out. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> my dad brought me home Plumbers Don't Wear Ties and he ordered me Domino's pizza. It's a great night. <laughs> then we went to Blockbuster afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just think it's funny uh that we're in this spot that 5 years ago, I don't think I could have imagined even the possibility. Well, you got
1: you got to think about just like what what the internet has has done to these games. Because I don't I don't know if if people weren't talking about Plumbers Don't Wear Ties or Metal Storm on these YouTube videos, I don't think you see a re-release of these games. So if someone like James Rolfe doesn't do an A B Gen video on yeah, Plumbers if, Don't Wear if Ties if James Rolfe I, I I seriously think if James Rolfe never did a Plumbers Don't Wear Ties episode. I don't. I don't think you see a re-release of that game. Interesting. It's it's part of the the pop culture though. He like brought it into the spot. Like like, look at this weird game. So if Pat never game does game. a Mr. Gimmick review. that doesn't get its eventual. Uh, I think re- I think <laughs> you are the reason Mr. Gimmick is coming out again. <laughs> well, they did the arcade release that
0: you can't find here because it's mostly in, uh, in Japan. I hope I hope I can find a Japanese arcade that has it. Uh, but
1: no, you, I I mean I'm serious. I think. You, Sure, sure, you definitely contributed to like people wanting to seek out Mr. Gimmick and play it I guess on we... an actual cartridge. Oh,
0: is that right. even out yet? What well, I gotta see when that's coming out. This, the uh, the special edition, uh, that was Did announced. You pre order,
1: you get that plush.
0: I think there's like a little plushie you can get with it. Oh, I, I, no, someone made me a custom plush, it's behind me. I'll show you, Norm. Oh, really? Yeah, someone made this for me.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I think I think they announced they were going to do like a officially licensed plushie, too. Gimmick I may be wrong on that.
0: Gimmick Special Edition, uh, old-school challenge for the modern player. Yeah, they're going to put, like, obviously better save states and stuff and things like that. Time Attack Mode, uh, Sound Test, which is, you know, the, the soundtrack's legendary. You know, uh, save and quick yep. load. So em- emulation stuff um, yeah. to be announced. I don't think there's pre-orders yet on it. It's gonna be okay. Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Four, P, uh, PC, and, and Xbox. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. Uh, I love the fact that uh, I will, I will, I will uh, pat myself in the back a little bit if I contributed to people finding out about about the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, I'm glad because obviously most kids didn't have that console and didn't grow up or even know about
1: it. I mean, hey, here's. Uh, I just bought this yesterday. This is Advance Wars One and Two reboot on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, it's a remake of the Game Boy Advance games. There it you has go. Online play now, and it's it's awesome. There you go. It's like one of my favorite game series. And Is, now I can play it on the Switch. Should there be a statute of limitations on how soon you should be
0: able to remaster and re-release a game? Because I know people are upset about, <laughs> um, like The Last of Us, getting. You know, a remake, a, a full remake of the first game, when it's already been even remastered in the past ten years. So in ten years, you go from original game.
1: Oh, to... they're remaking The Last of Us.
0: Yes. So, like, adding new things. So, so it came th- out ten years ago. That's what I mean. Is there should be a statue of limitations, <laughs> and they already did an HD upgrade to it. So that there's like three versions of a game in like ten
1: years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's money. It's sure. It it always comes back to money. And The Last of Us is very, very big right now. So, of course, they're going to remake The Last of Us. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think I saw there's either three or four different versions of the game that have come out the past ten years. So, yeah. I'm uh, wondering what the next uh, next big uh, uh, video game adaptation will be. You see, like, The Last of Us was... I don't know if you watched it on HBO. It was
0: No, it was I, I don't have HBO+. Plus.
1: Plus, I'm just all zombied out. I know this I know it's not like The Walking Dead but uh, well well technically they're not zombies oh, they Jesus. are they have a fungal infection and uh
0: You know what we're at the 20 year anniversary of like zombies getting big again with like uh two things it was like Shaun of the Dead and um the remake of Dawn of the Dead the tw- That was a great remake. It was. I that saw it in the great theaters. remake. So those two things sort of, I think kicked off the zombie invasion then obviously walking dead. It, the walking dead that yeah, was big. Yep. So I thought it would be died off by now. I thought there's no way we're going to still be talking it's like westerns in like the 40s and 50s and 60s. there's no way we're still going to be doing zombie shit shit. But no, they're doing a, a Dead Island uh, sequel, Last of Us, they're doing a thousand remakes and I'm like I guess people like shooting zombies. The walking dead has four different so spin-off shows.
1: It's it's becoming an American pastime. Just, zombies. just killing zombies. Killing zombies. Yeah, it's
0: like oh, that we can we can have fun murdering things because they're not really people
1: anymore. That's all sociological. Yeah. Thing. I I'm ready for the the Red Dead TV series. If they made like a a, a Red Dead Redemption TV series, that would be just a give it, give it to HBO. Just a western, but set with those characters. Basically, yeah, yeah. It's a great great game series. Would make a fantastic
0: TV show. I just think we need more, I mean, not we need more westerns. You know, I, was, I was complaining about they were so popular for 20 years because they were so cheap to make. But it used to be you get like one good western movie in theaters every like two, three years. I'm not sure we're even there anymore with that. A lot of them are like small, limited releases. Is that what they do? Like i remember seeing yeah. Open Range in theaters with Ke- Kevin Costner. That was like, what, 15 years ago? I loved it. Two thousand six, five, yeah, like two thousand five or something, yeah. With Robert Duvall, I'm like, this is. I said, with this Robert is. Fa- I said to myself, this is fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what yeah, I thought. A lot of them are sm- the the last Western I saw in theaters was probably The Holmesman Did you ever see The Holmesman The Holmesman. no, I haven't seen with that Tommy that Lee Jones and um, Hillary Swank. No, I've not seen. I looked that up. Very what? good. So a little different, so a little th- different Western, but you're, it's
0: you're good. into westerns as well. I mean, I love the the ah, big Western fan. Yeah, the the remake the Cohen's brothers uh, did that was great. That was like, was like ten years ago already,
1: or no? Oh, what, True Grit. Yeah, they we, remade True Grit. Yes. Yeah. Was that like yep, about that ten years ago? 20, that was twenty eleven. Wow. Yep. Twenty ten.
0: Twenty ten. Yeah, that was a good. And remake. that Haley Steinfeld, who's who's now in the MCU, she blew up. That that's right. She was so young in that. Yeah, she was like thirteen, I think. And in the maybe. Transformers movie, Bumblebee was actually I thought really good Bumblebee when that came out. Like, cool, finally an eighties Transformer movie. Uh speaking of nostalgia. Um So what's next for Norm? What you, you reached a million subscribers. Well like done it. You you've accomplished everything you've had to accomplish. <laughs> you've been you've been
1: contacted by Hollywood screenwriters that wanted a piece of Norm. Uh What's, what's the you know what's year? funny? What's funny is when I was like, unhealth unhealthily. I don't know if that's the word. Unhealthily obsessing over the million subs, I was like, "This is peak YouTube. This is it. This is this is the mountaintop." And <laughs> peak then like, YouTube. And and then I I like found out there's like a ten million subscriber plaque and oh there's a no. like one hundred million subscriber plaque. Oh no, Norm! It made me feel better. Honestly, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so so if you were at the end. If you were
0: at nine hundred and eighty-five thousand subscribers right now, would would you be you be agitated? You'd be like, "Oh my god, I got to get back to producing the next video. I got to make sure I hit that. It's got to it's got to happen." Because honestly, that's what it's been like with my book. Being that I've been working on it for almost three years now, where it's like I just want it done. I'll just get it out of my life. That's yeah, I just yeah, want it. Yeah, yeah. Well, just and that
1: that was the unhealthy obsession. Is I would like I would like put things to the side because I was like I have to focus on making the next video. Um, but I will say like, it, it's a huge weight off my shoulders to hit a million subs. It's like a big milestone. I feel a lot better. I'm taking care of myself a little better. Oh, you, so, like you... I'm, I'm, I'm exercising again. You're so back to the nice. gym, back to gym norm. <laughs> Not. I, I mean, I have like a little home gym in my basement. I don't go to the gym, but like I'm running. I went to the doctor and my doctor was like, you know, your overall, your health's pretty good, but like. You you need exercise, yes, for like heart health. I mean, that's just you. A yes, in general, 30, everyone
0: needs exercise. <laughs> yeah,
1: thirty minutes a day, like high, like a high intensity workout. Thirty minutes a day is all you need, and so that's what I've been doing. I've been running and like lifting a little bit. And I would even say every day, if you do it high intensity enough, you don't. You can do it like
0: every other day. I, I I don't work out every day. I work out two th- like three days a week. I, I do out. it every
1: day because I like. I just want it to be a habit. Oh I see. You want like, to get into that routine. Yep. I couldn't So I'm I... taking I'm taking better care of myself, which I'm I'm happy about. <laughs> um, but I'm still making videos. And uh but again that pressure's gone of like, oh man, gotta hit that million, gotta hit the million. But the pressure's gone, so I'm like I'm working on a, a big documentary about the Fairchild Channel F. The plucky channel F. Quirky. Quirky system. Um, and that got in the news, uh, the, the Google, uh, page what was that yep. what, what Jerry was it? Lawson was, was in charge of, was the head engineer on the channel F and... was that in
0: September, uh, the, the, uh, the anniversary of, of his, uh, of his passing. What, what what was that? Or his birth. It was his birthday. It was his birthday. Yeah. And then they yep. did the Google. It was like, wow, Google has a page where you can make your own little video game with
1: programmable Fairchild cartridges. I'm like, this is pretty cool. This yeah. Is pretty cool. So this video will be it's it's not about Jerry Lawson, it's about the Channel F. It's about how they how Fairchild took on this project and how it was kind of a disaster. It didn't work out. But they were the first to the market with programmable video game cartridges, which is a huge deal. You know? Sure. So I'm working on that and then I'm I'm then I'm going to work on uh an Oregon Trail documentary. Oh. Before COVID hit, I went and interviewed all the guys that did Oregon Trail. Oh, so so you did so some traveling. You put some money I, in. I did. Yeah. Well, uh, let's. What's great is uh, two of them lived in Minnesota, which is like a six-hour drive for me. So I just drove up and I interviewed them. And then the other one lived. He lived like forty-five minutes from my parents. And so I flew out to visit my parents, and I was like, hey, I'm going to go interview this guy. I'll be back.
0: Hey, I'll be back. Put put the roast on. I'll be- <laughs> yeah,
1: put the London broil on. I'll be back. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I want to I finally get that out. I've been sitting on these interviews for like four years now, and it's like I want to I do something with them. So I'm going to make a little Oregon – not a little Oregon Trail video. I'll, I'm going to make a documentary about the Oregon Trail. The only time I sat on the footage that I had was uh, – it
0: was 2020 when I, I, was, I, I shot all my most expensive games that I had. And um, I, I said, I'm not comfortable doing it, just a video, of just bragging. There has to be an angle to this. Yeah. And, and the angle was, well, the collapse of the sealed video game market that obviously was going to happen. And it happened spectacularly. It's probably still happening. The price is going down. So I, so I dug out the footage. It was funny because I looked at some of the prices of stuff. Like, the sealed games, like, the the sealed Pokemon Gold for Game Boy Color, that went down. Not dramatically, but it did go down. The, but the sealed zone... Now, Zelda... does
1: this have stuff to do with, like, the WADA stuff? Oh, the crash? Is this? Yeah, does this... I, I'm out of the loop of all this, so you have to fill me in. Oh, well, yeah, the
0: game started crashing. Um, I'd say it started happening probably tail end of 2021. And then 2022, they plummeted. The prices. And this is because people were discovering that, like, Wada was... Well, no, because they couldn't get more buyers in the pool, and it's just a shell game between like, two, three hundred people at most, and gotcha. then, like, games that were, like, there was, like, a Seal Sonic that went for three hundred thousand that then went for only, like, fifty. So, it's like, why are these so much money? Like, three hundred
1: thousand dollars?
0: Yes. Like, a Mario Kart 64 that goes for two hundred thousand, that now only goes for, like, thirty. So, it's still it was so, like, People have lost a ton of money on these, obviously. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And we called it, obviously, because we're like, we don't know. We had, we had a lot of podcast coverage, and I was yelled at in person by two different people that knew each other at two different times, yelled at, because these are people that are heavily invested in, in this and are losing their shirts because of this now. Because huh. they, they bought everything up they could in, like, 2020 and 21 and 19, and it's like, no. Uh, a lot of people got in new money, fresh money, crypto money, want to say, or uh, they got in from collecting comic books or collecting coins, and they thought they can pump, pump this new market. And those that got in early probably did very well, but then everyone else that came in afterwards, someone's, help, someone's always going to be caught holding the bag with this stuff. Yeah. And they didn't listen to me anymore, like, Seal game collecting its own weird niche thing, it always was very niche, no one buys them at conventions. For the most part. And all, most people, I this is the arguments I have with these people. I said, We are satisfied just having a cartridge or a nice, even, or a decent, complete in box copy. We never chased that seal thing. We never bought into it. And because of that, this will never be a sustainable market with, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's what the argument is. And that's what it is. Like, it's just not the same thing as comic books being graded. Because with comic books, it's just like, well, you're actually grading. The covers you're grading, the pages. This you're grading the the freaking cellophane and the cart in the outer <laughs> container. It's not the same thing, and so it came home to roost, and that's why people like me and Carl Jobs were attacked for our coverage of it. Uh, and it is
1: what it is. It's just it's you know it, I'm I'm thinking back to like when I you know shopping at conventions. Yeah, sealed sealed games was just like. I think the Holy Grail for me was always complete in box it had the manual in the box mm-hmm. that was like wow this is this is this is it and it was never a valued sealed copy yeah I, w-
0: I would never go for something like that it was never valued historically that much more it would be like I don't know a crappy game twice as much if it was like a really good game I don't know <laughs> ten, ten times as much you want to say it was never like wow it's a thousand or 10,000 times the amount like yeah. th- that's what basically happened with it we're like a game that was two thousand dollars sealed five years ago. Now that game's two hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. it's just like, what are we doing? It's yeah, a... that's that's nuts. The Mar- the Mario sixty four thing is just like that. That was a tipping point. Obviously, it was people like, what, what, in it, how much for this common ass game? And that's what happened. As my printer cleans itself, which is scaring me uh, behind me. Uh, you think you're gonna <laughs> tackle anything non gaming related in the future? You're gonna apply your your skills and your personality and your charm to any other ventures
1: uh yeah i would i would love to i i love comedy stuff so like i would love to do something like that i don't know i i know but i do know that like uh for for gaming historian stuff i remember back in the day on youtube you could like experiment a little bit Mm -hmm. with like different types of videos as i mentioned i've tried every single type of video uh but like the way youtube works now you can't really do that anymore you know you get punished you get if i don't make a game in a story video and i upload it to my channel it would people would just be like what the hell is going on so if you decided to become like a food a food reviewer you'd have to start a whole new channel (laughs) Yeah, if i was like hey guys i'm gonna i'm gonna eat this uh this personal pan pizza and tell you tell you what i think (laughs) of it (laughs) like it you can't do that anymore it's you know? not it's not personality driven YouTube anymore. It's it's totally content like driven in terms yeah, of like it's it's like it's like uh, it's like a, a TV channel. You know, it's like this is this is what we do. Like they you expect, do one thing really well. They expect this series and that's it. Yeah,
0: being a yeah. variety channel killed me because for a time it helped doing the podcast. But then it's like people are like, well, I just want Flea Market Manus. I want Pat the NES Punk. I don't want and some people are like, I don't want that stuff. I just want the podcast. I sort of shot myself in the foot. Like, like, it probably would have been better if I just, you know, split it out. But at the time, it's like, no, you want more content. Again, it's chasing the algorithm. Yeah. So,
1: So I would definitely like to try some other stuff. Like, um, I don't know, we'll see. Books, podcasts, all right, whatever. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not pressuring myself to do anything, but we'll just see what happens. Well, I
0: I got a good feeling it's going to be a good year for you, Norm. You know, you think so?
1: I think so. I think so. You, You hit a million. You know? I hit a million. That was that was big. I I'm like I said, it was it was a cool, cool feeling. And then was yeah. to get you know, I got a letter from Susan, the CEO of YouTube. What's her name? Susan Wojier, Wojier, Wojcicki Wojiski or something. Oh yeah? was was it handwritten? <laughs> uh no. But what's funny is what's funny is I got the letter and I was like, Oh well and uh and then I like saw on the news like a month ago she had resigned. As the YouTube CEO. So you know what? A she, fake letter. She saw No,
0: she saw Norm hit a million, and she's like, this is going to be it. I'm done after this. I'm going to go. I'm gonna she go. was waiting for me to hit a million, <laughs> yep. too.
1: She was waiting for it. She, she okay, was... this is a real story. Oh. She tweeted at me. What? She said, congratulations. Because I tweeted a picture of me with the plaque. I was like, yeah, I hit a million. And she 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 quote retweeted it and said, congrats, Gaming story, And I was like... That's weird. Uh oh, is there is there some is there some uh, grift going on here? Did you pass her
0: some bucks in order to help you in the algorithm push the videos? For...
1: <laughs> I'm pay... having an aff- I'm having an affair with the former CEO of YouTube. Uh oh, pay pay for pl- pay for play. That's right, pay for views. It's Sorry, like Kristen. It's like it's you like find
0: out. It's like payola in the '80s on the radio stations that just paid the DJs money to play the music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I'd be shocked that actually that didn't occur on YouTube, by the way. If it comes out that like people are getting paid money to push channels or things like that, I'd be shocked. Mm, yeah, that's just how the human condition is. You know, there's gonna be grift and
1: corruption, that's gonna happen. But but norm did not do that. Am I am I gonna be able to drag you out to any conventions this year? Uh I mean we'll we'll see. I went to a local one here in Kansas City, which was nice because gosh, just being able to like go home when it's done is oh yeah is cool sleeping your own bed that would probably be nice yeah it, it was ah. really cool and it was it was it was a fun little convention um but i don't i don't know what if i'm gonna do any more this year we'll see are you, are, or is your are you are you running on empty like i am where it's got to be
0: special so <laughs> you
1: know it's <laughs> yeah so like traveling on a plane isn't you know when i first started doing the conventions it was like i like flying on a plane was cool to me oh yeah but but now it's like ugh, I don't I don't like flying on a plane anymore. It's not fun. I just don't. Um, I
0: just feel never rested. Like I can't sleep on planes, so I can't yeah, do red eye flights and anymore. I,
1: I don't sleep well when I'm not at home. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I couldn't spend the night at my friends' houses because I would I would get like a, a stomach ache. I would have b- bad anxiety. Oh, a little norm. Yeah, like separation anxiety.
0: I just I I I try to estimate how many. Conventions I've done since so I started doing them in like 2010 with like SGC and like the Magfest that year. I think it was it was 2010. I think it was after I moved. I went to the last one before the Magfest moved to the big uh the big uh hotel.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, was it
0: the Gaylord? Is that the one they moved to before the that? Mo- the Gaylord's the big one. Yeah. So I went to the last one before that, where it was like me, John Lance, and Derek. Like the you know the, before Retroware TV got all the new recruits that I helped get way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped get you though. You were you were around. I was OG. I was I was generation I was two. Members. I was like one point five generation. Um, yeah. But that was the start of that, and back then it was like refreshing. But then when you start doing six to eight or nine a year for like ten years, it adds up. It just does. Um, but I do I do enjoy seeing like the same vendors. And I recognize the same people. It's like funny. It's funny. You won't think about these individuals because then you meet hundreds of people throughout the years like how can you remember them but when you see their faces again it's oh i remember them from this location and then like yeah. it comes back to you instantly so people will say oh yeah. you probably don't remember and, some, and sometimes i won't but sometimes i'll be like oh yeah i remember you we talked about this whatever so it, that's honestly i do like that part but just the grind of the travel is just that's if there was a way to teleport to these then i could do them <laughs> you know it wouldn't be the same thing you know
1: yeah, they are uh, the the travel does does take a lot out of you, but uh, yeah, you know, right now, um, I'm just I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm making my videos and taking it one day at a time. That's, All right, that's my well, deal. Norm, appreciate you talking with me again. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. This is my first post million sub interview. Wow, and we <laughs> dropped a this lot the of exclusive, bombshells. Exclusive, exclusive
0: information we found out about an affair and other stuff this is great
1: (laughs) well i i i mean i did like i've never talked about like uh like the pressure i put on myself to hit a million subs like i never i never uh talked about that like on social media or anything because like i kind of got burnout on social media honestly like i use it to post new videos like i'll tell people when a new video is out but like i don't write like I'm having lunch right now. You know, yeah. though, like back in the day, people would just write literally everything. I, I, I guess I guess it's what Instagram has
0: become where it's like, you know, post pictures of your daily travels or. Yeah. And yeah, I like I'll post on Instagram once every few weeks. I'll never be the person that posts on it every day or every other
1: day to get it. Like, I just can't. I just no. I've really scaled it back. I've even scaled back even just logging in and like looking at the timeline. It's just I, I go on there when I have an update. If I have an update for people on a new video, I'll, I'll say it on there. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't share any of that, that personal stuff. Cause it's like, well, it's like, people don't want to hear about this, you know?
0: Well, some people identify with it, but then o- other people will take shots at you. Sometimes if you, if you share too much, be like, oh, why do you have anxiety? Or, you know, what are you doing? So well, no, I ask myself that every day. Why do I have anxiety? <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're, we're imperfect machines. That's why people, we, you know, we, sometimes it just happens. We all, we all have that stuff. Uh, going sure. on. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of uh, well your weekend. Well, you know, this probably this, this podcast won't come out in the weekend, but it's a weekend now. Watch some good it's em- Saturday, baby. Watch some I'm good.
1: Watch watch some basketball. Or... Watch
0: LeBron drop forty on Dylan Brooks, who no one likes. Dylan Brooks, you know. That's I, right. I I, yeah. rare, I rarely will root for LeBron James, but this time I definitely will against Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies. <laughs> you got me to yeah, do it's that.
1: A, it's a good series. Like Game One was great. And then uh, uh, Warriors-Sacramento, game four on Sunday. Pat, I have to tell you, you're not going to like this. Uh I'm rooting for Sacramento in this game. Really? Um, Well, I don't know if you know this, but Sacramento Kings used to be the Kansas City Kings. Oh, you got to get like a throwback jersey and wear it then. Yeah. All right, I'll respect that. I I, I don't
0: respect Ian uh, liking them for no reason just because they're plucky, the plucky, crappy Kings He's like, no, I don't like, I don't like California teams. But I said, what about the, Sac- he likes the
1: Sacramento <laughs> Kings? Hey, Ian uh, Ian likes a good underdog. But it's like, then why don't you
0: like the Clippers? The Clippers are from San Diego. Like, why don't you like them? <laughs> mm. We lost two teams. called them out. We lost uh, the Rockets and the Clippers were in San Diego. We lost
1: two, Ro- two- I didn't know the Rockets were in yeah. San Diego.
0: I think the Clippers might have come from Buffalo. One came from Buffalo, Ian said. I think the, Cl- the Clippers came from Buffalo. Went to San Diego. Sterling moved them. That remember the awful owner who, yep. who got rid of them was forced to sell them. Like what was that 10, 12 years ago? He moved them uh, from San Diego. Then the Rockets came and they were moved after like three, four years to uh, to Houston or so. So it's I just didn't like know that. it's like I would love if we had a basketball team here. I would I would buy a block of tickets. I'm not saying I'd buy season tickets.
1: I go to a game every week probably. I, you know the NFL draft is in Kansas City oh, next week. You going? I don't get. I don't get excited here's what here's what sucks okay i'm a miami dolphins fan oh that's right the miami dolphins don't have a first round pick this year Uh because the owner tampered with tom brady before free agency started thinking he wanted to get him to the team he was like talking to him oh no yeah he had this whole plan where he was gonna like retire from the bucks and then sign with the dolphins and then sean payton would be the coach and so the NFL found out about it, and they stripped the Dolphins of their first-round pick. I, I think I think Brady's done though. Right? I'm just I'm actually done at this point. Well, did you see the news the other day where they were, they asked him if oh, he would no. play for the Dolphins, and he didn't say no. Oh no! He like did that roundabout answer. Well, he's like, I'll I'll say right now, I'm I'm currently not playing for a team. Well, it's like what <laughs> he hasn't what fallen off. Said. He hasn't he's fallen off no. the
0: cliff, but he's not the same guy he was a few years ago, uh, for sure. Uh, no. But but he's 45, so at some point you know the miles add up. But as Frank always says, these guys like it happened with Peyton Manning. It goes from one week they look amazing, the next week their arm is dead. Like that's what happens with a lot of quarterbacks. Bad swab with Peyton Manning. Peyton that's Manning was an MVP candidate. Next year,
1: he looked done. Remember that? It was just like what just happened. Then he. Yeah, I remember he 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 threw. He played against the Chiefs that year, and he threw like. His like first seven passes, five of them were interceptions or something crazy. Like it, was it was just like a horrible he, his, game. His arm just died.
0: Like you're yeah.
1: th- throwing ducks.
0: Yeah, and then he, they got him in for that Super Bowl, where like he probably should have been playing that Super Bowl. He just managed a game, but like his passes were like you might as well get me out there to throw those because they were just like <laughs> they were just lobbed up. There was no spinner, there was no uh, power on those throws. So that's what we are. We have we have a, we have a, as YouTubers. Uh, a certain amount of throws in our in our YouTube arms and after that we fall off a cliff or is it <laughs> it's more like <laughs> well I'll be retired. I'll be gone before that I'm sure I'm not going to be 65 years old on on YouTube I know that but maybe maybe the first generation maybe the, obviously we know people that didn't
1: last or gotten out of the game some people diversified maybe it is some a- people yep some people move on from YouTube but ev- everything in life is temporary you know The only thing constant in life is change, right? Well, with that existential thought,
0: uh, thanks, everyone. Thank you, Norm, for joining me. And I'll talk to you you. again when I revive this another five years from now for another. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Another not-so-common podcast when I'm close to 50 years old. Take care, everyone. All right.